0: Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this day you've given to us. We ask you to come and, and be among us this morning. We ask you to open our ears and our hearts to receive your word. We thank you for your servant Todd here as he brings us the words and the message that we laid on his heart this morning. We would apply it to our lives that we would further your kingdom in the coming days and weeks. In the name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you, Matt. So back in the frontier days, there was a husband who found out his wife was sick, and it was pretty serious, and he realized that the medicine that she needed was on the, in a town on the other side of a lake across from the town they lived in, and it was in the winter, so the lake was frozen. There was ice on it, and he realized that really his only choice was to cross the lake And go get the medicine for his wife, and he started across the lake, and he was just really full of fear and nervous that the ice would break, and he was kind of sliding on his stomach. I mean, it was a couple miles across the lake, and just inch by inch, just really nervous that the ice was going to break. And he got about halfway across, just really, really slow, obviously going on his hands and knees. And all of a sudden, he heard this rumbling, this really loud rumbling coming, and the ice started shaking, and he. Even more panic and fear starts to come in, and all of a sudden he looks up, and there's this team of horses pulling a wagon full of these boxes that just fly by him on the ice. And all of a sudden he jumps up, the man that was once full of fear, now fully confident that the ice would hold him because he had witnessed this team of horses going across, and he ran the rest of the way to the town and ran back with the medicine. And I feel like that's a lot of what Hebrews 11 is meant to be, the whole book of Hebrews really for us, an encouragement. And I read with the children, it says, therefore, since you've seen such a great cloud of witnesses, run the race with endurance. In other words, he's trying to show us something here, like look at these men and women, the life of faith that they lived, and let that build your confidence to get up and start running and to persevere, not to throw in the towel. So this morning I want to... I guess going kind to of finish last week's message, we're looking at just a handful of, I guess, aspects of faith. It's the faith chapter, and we looked at a few things last week, and I want to add a couple more to that, and then I think, God willing, we'll start working our way down through and looking at these men and women of faith and witness their lives, and I hope in that the Holy Spirit just builds encouragement in us to persevere, to keep going, to keep running Let's do a brief recap. I think we'll start there. Last week, the first thing we started is faith is a lifestyle, but my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. So just the idea that faith isn't just some general concept, it's a lifestyle, it's the way we live. We live by faith. My righteous one shall live by faith. Faith starts with discontentment. Until you are discontent with what this world has to offer, you will not live a lifestyle of faith. In other words, we have to get to a point where we realize this world isn't satisfying something in you. And you start looking for something better, something greater, something that you can put your confidence in. But if we're completely content with the things this life has to offer, I don't believe we'll ever live a, biblically, a biblical faith lifestyle. Then faith is rational. Involves thinking, it's reasonable, there's evidence. So our faith is based on something true, something reliable, again, something with evidence. In other words, it's not just some blind faith. It's not just some leap in the dark that we hope for the best, that we wish for the best, that if I think hard enough on something, I can make it happen. But faith is based on reality. It's based on something true, the trustworthiness of God. And again, all of these, I think we'll start seeing them demonstrated when we look at the lives Of these men and women and then faith is personal that it must move from just rational belief in God to a personal encounter with God that it has to go beyond just this general awareness that I believe God exists to you hear a personal call from him where you hear God saying I want you to follow me I want you to come with me and I did bring another object lesson for us today that I almost forgot about. See, let me get this chair to set it on. So this is gonna, in a sense, represent us, this lamp. I apologize, I wasn't very prepared. Oh, John, I have your hat. has nothing to do with the object lesson it's just been sitting there since June <laughs> when i grabbed this it was on top of it i'm like i should bring that to church and give it to john so i think at emma's uh, graduation party so it was out out in the shed <laughs> wood miser there we go we'll see what happens all of that was free of no charge so This light will represent our life and clearly when the light goes on is when we know Christ. All right. So we got to plug this in. I'm getting there. You guys are doing good. So this is going to represent God. So we're going to plug that in. So first we started, one, with the idea of discontentment. So first we have to be discontent with living in the dark. There's no light there. We have to get to a point where we say this can't be all there is. But then there's also this rational or this general awareness that God exists, that he is. So it's the idea that we can see this. So even this guy here can see and say, okay, I believe in God. We can even see the light there. There's power there. But the thing is, the light still doesn't go on. Just a general awareness that God is there and say, okay, I believe God exists, still doesn't quite do it. But this cord will represent the personal call of God. So God does exist. That is part of it. We have to believe that he exists, which is one of the verses. But there also has to be a personal call where God comes to us. I don't know if I have it on or off. But so potentially that's supposed to still be off. But now there's a call. God comes and makes a personal call. Like there's a personal connection here. But as you can see, there's still, the light's not on. That's why I titled this Flip the Switch. This isn't a flip, but push the switch didn't sound quite right. But when you believe, when you have faith, you start receiving that power and the light comes on. You have salvation. You've received that call to salvation. But there has to be this personal call first. Just a general awareness that there's power there because it's, I think in James it even talks about even the demons believe that God exists. But there has to be a personal call. And we have to receive that, and I believe we receive that by flipping the switch. So we're going to come back to that later on, and I want to keep going this morning. with A couple more aspects of faith. So if you want to turn to Hebrews 11. The next aspect of faith that I want to put out there, and again, I, I don't really feel like I'm defining faith, and yet it is talking about faith in so a sense where it is a definition, but it's just different aspects of faith. Faith is something big. It, it's, there's just a lot there, and just to dig into it and kind of get our minds going and get in the Word and see all that faith is, but this morning, I want to start with faith changes the foundation you build on. So I'm going to read, I'm going to read verses 8 through 10. I guess just 10 is up there but this idea that faith changes the foundation you build on. So Hebrews 11, verse 8. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. I guess that verse here, verse 10, stuck out to me. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. So back in Genesis 12 is when Abraham receives the call. And we've been talking about it. Aaron talked about it this morning. There's a call. There's a personal call on each of our lives, a call to salvation, a call to holiness, and I believe a call to service. Abraham, in Genesis 12, received the call, God said, I will make you the father of nations. Like, your descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars in the sky. So Abraham receives that call. So at this point, there's a sense where Abraham knows God, and in the verses we read said that he did leave. Like So he's trusting God. He's stepping out, even though he doesn't know where he's going. So did everything just go easy from there on out for Abraham? Like he received that call. In a sense, he answers it, and off he goes. And it's not even close to the way it goes. See, God comes and gives him a call. And says, I want you to leave. Get out. Where, God? God says, I'll tell you later. Just go. So then he arrives, and God says, settle down. And Abraham says, when? And God says, I'll tell you later. Just wander. God says, I'm going to give you a child. I'm going to give you a son. And Abraham's like... I'm 99, Sarah's 90, how is that going to happen? God says, I'll tell you later, just wait. Finally, God comes and says, Abraham, take your son, your only son, the son that you love, go up the mountain and sacrifice him. Abraham says, why? God says, just go do it, I'll tell you later. Like Abraham's life didn't just become easy because he took that first step of faith. God continued, and I guess I just started thinking about this, like how does, and we're going to probably spend a few weeks looking at Abraham, because there's so much there, and Paul and James talk about him, we'll hit that a little bit today, but as we go through them, but this morning, I guess the question I asked is, how did Abraham keep living like that? Again, not perfectly, he did things that we'll see, go back and it's like, well, he failed that test of faith. He, so one, we should all be encouraged, because these aren't perfect saints, They're murderers and prostitutes and doubters and a lot of different characters are in this faith chapter. So every one of us can apply this. But how did he continue to live that way? That even when he didn't really know where he was going or how long he had to wander or God made his promise that you're going to be a father to, to nations and yet you're asking me to go kill my only son, And yet, in faith, he does, even though he doesn't know how or why God is going to do this. And I think one of the answers, at least, is he was looking forward to the city that has foundations. Faith changes the foundation you build on. I think he came to see that this world doesn't have a foundation to build on. Because by saying the city that has foundations, I really believe it's indicating that there's a city that doesn't. If he's looking forward to the city that has them, that means he's come to the conclusion that there's a a place I can try building on that doesn't have a foundation. And I believe when you know there's a city that has foundations, it can cause you to live a lifestyle that even when you don't know why or how long or at what point God is going to do or why he's asking you to do that, you can build confidently because you know this city has foundations. So I feel for us, is like, okay, what are we building on? Which city are we building our life on? Which city are we making our decisions daily? Because you're building on something. And most of you are probably in Matthew 7 where Jesus is, talks about building on the sand versus the rock, and we'll read that in a minute. But what are you building your life on? What are you basing your decisions on? Is it based on the city that has foundations, the eternal city that God built is building, or the earthly city, which by this verse we can say has no foundation. And there was a preacher that put it pretty bluntly, I guess. He says, you're on a little ball of rock called earth, and you're spinning through space at a million miles an hour, and even if it doesn't run into anything, someday under every single one of us, a little trap door is going to open. It's called death. And underneath are either the everlasting arms of God or millions of miles of nothing. And do you think a PhD is going to help you? Do you think a sharp spouse is going to help you? Do you think your bank account is going to help you? He said this, either you're connected with God and everything is secure no matter how chaotic your life looks or you're not connected to God and nothing is secure no matter how orderly your life looks. So again, a biblical lifestyle of faith changes the foundation that you're building on. Because each one of us, the day is coming when death The trap door opens. What's underneath? What's your foundation? If it's the everlasting arms of God Almighty, you're secure. But if it's not, it's just eternal separation from God, eternal torment. I don't even necessarily like the fact that he said nothingness because it's not nothing. It's everlasting experiencing the wrath of God. And it doesn't matter what you've tried to build your life on in this, this world, job, success, family, status, public opinion, none of that is a foundation that will hold up to that day. And throughout the book of Hebrews, the author keeps saying that Jesus is better. Jesus is secure. Jesus is superior to the Old Testament, to Abraham, to to the angels, to all of that. Build your life on him. Put the center of your life on that and build on that. And I believe that's how Abraham was able to live the lifestyle he did. Not perfectly, But he continued to be able to take those steps of faith because he had got to the point where he realized there was a city that has foundations. Let's read Matthew 7. So this is Jesus speaking. And this will get us into the next point as well. But he says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So again, talking about foundations, what we're building on. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell and great was the fall of it. So again, what are we building our lives on? Biblical faith, we build it on foundations of the eternal city. And Jesus says here, and this is key for the next point as well, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Faith is active obedience. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. So again, Jesus is teaching the way you build on the rock, on the foundation that will last is by being obedient to his word, by doing the things he says, by believing in, by trusting in who he is, and trusting in what he has done. It's active obedience So again, not only is faith rational where there's real substance to it, where you're putting your faith, your trust in something that's real, that's true, that there's evidence, but it's also real active obedience. I'm going to read a chunk of James chapter 2. Again, I think at some point we'll probably come back and visit some of these things So I'll try not to do that this morning. But James chapter 2, 14, I might read to 26 even. And you'll see how even James is taking a lot of, especially Abraham, but he talks about Rahab as well, that he's using these men and women from the Old Testament to teach on faith. It says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? We understand that, right? Like if you see someone that needs something, you just say, yeah, I hope you get warmed up. You say that that did them no good. His point is saying just saying something, saying that you believe in something without active obedience is also no good. You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. And again, we will come back to this and also what Paul has talked about in Romans where he uses Abraham as well and it can almost feel like there's some tension between them sometimes, but when at some point I think we'll dig into that. Um, But for this morning, I want us to see that the lifestyle of faith is active obedience. Now just listen to some of these words Descriptions that are used throughout Hebrews 11. I'm just going to go down through them quickly that there's obedience, there's action here. They're doing something here. This isn't just some general idea or thought process like, I believe in God, and then that's faith. So it says, We understand, offered a more acceptable sacrifice, pleased God, constructed an ark, obeyed when he was called, went out, went to live in the land, looking forward. "...considered him faithful, seeking a homeland, offered up his son, invoked future blessing, blessed each of the sons, bowing in worship, made mention, gave directions, refused to be called, chose to be mistreated, left Egypt, kept the Passover, sprinkled the blood, crossed the Red Sea, encircled walls for seven days gave a friendly welcome, conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, received back their dead by resurrection, tortured, refused to accept release, suffered mocking and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment, were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword, went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated." There was active obedience going on in all of these accounts. Now, at this point, I want to just say this. We need to be careful here that we don't preach obedience as human work. We saw that in the video, right? You're not saved by works. You're saved by grace. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But obedient works do not earn salvation. And I want to make sure we hear that, that obedient works do not earn the favor of God. Grace is free, it's a gift. You can't earn it, work for it, or ever deserve it. But there's also an aspect of faith that is active obedience. And I believe obedience is a posture of submission. It is a position of humility and submission to God. Let me do this. Where's Skyla sitting? Skyla, can I pick on you? You don't have a choice now. So, Skyla, I have a twenty dollar bill in this room with your name on it. And if by faith you can come and get that twenty dollar bill. Now if she sits there and says, okay, you know, I know Todd's an amazing guy and just upstanding citizen, amazing pastor, best father-in-law I've ever had. You better be able to say that. But she just sits there. Would anybody here say she has faith? If she just sat there and then got up and went home. <laughs> you want to preach? <laughs> you like, yeah, you got to end this thing. But what would faith be? Again, she didn't wake up this morning and says, I... I I hope Todd gives me a $20 bill. I really need a $20 bill. I'm gonna come and I'm gonna work really hard. I'm gonna try to impress him this morning with my keyboard playing so he gives me $20. It wasn't even on her radar until a minute ago. But a personal call, I'm upsetting the babies, aren't I? That's all right, I like it. (laughs) But there had to be a personal call that she did nothing to earn or deserve. So now God comes, and I'll even help Skyla, so I'll show you where it is. So I think God comes, and I told you I was going to embarrass you. So God comes, and I believe at this point, she could have pushed my hand away and said, no, I don't believe you. But God will lead us in, So there's a $20 bill with Skyla's name on it. Thank you. You can keep that. Happy birthday tomorrow, by the way. There you go. (laughs) Covered all my bases. Trevor, tomorrow. (laughs) And I don't know if maybe that helps us get an idea of faith. Like just sitting there saying, I believe you, doesn't do anything. It doesn't receive the gift. But in no way, shape, or form did she do anything to earn that or deserve that in a sense. She had to receive it. And by faith, she trusted me. And I believe even God comes to us and offers grace and saying, I'll take you, I'll bring you, I have a gift for you. And we talked about God's pursuing us with his love and his goodness. That's him coming with this this personal call over and over saying, I have a gift for you. I have grace for you. And if we by faith flip the switch, receive it, and I believe that happens by obedience, which is my last point, Faith is a channel for grace. And maybe some of these you've never thought of in this way with, with faith. And again, I encourage you to chew on these, dig into these, get in the word of God. Maybe you wouldn't say them this way. But this idea that faith is a channel for grace. And we'll jump, actually I'll read a few of the verses, but towards the end of 11, and I, I believe you see it throughout the chapter, this makes it very clear, and just so it doesn't take quite as long. So in Hebrews 11:32 to 34. So again, I, I believe obedience is a position of submission, in which we receive grace. So when we obey God, we're saying, "I trust you and I'm going to submit to your ways, and I'm going to believe in you, and it's through that obedience, that submission, that we receive the grace. Hebrews 11:32. 32, And what more shall I say? For time should fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. And again, I've just been reading through this, reading through this, and it says, who through faith... And again, another verse that I believe it was Roger when he was sharing in that video is Ephesians 2.8. For by grace you have been saved. Where does it go from there? Through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. So please hear me when I say faith is active obedience. We're not teaching works. But I believe the obedience is the channel. And the idea of of the word through is actually that's what it means. It's the idea, it's the channel, it's the means that you receive the saving grace. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Faith is the channel through which salvation flows to sinners. John Calvin states that a person must receive by faith the salvation offered to him, Or her by the hand of God. I've written this down as well. I think I don't remember where it's from, but it says, This is important for the salvation that was purchased by Christ's death is universal in its provision, but it is not universal in its application. One is not automatically saved because Christ died, but one is saved when one puts trust in God's gracious provision. And again, I believe we're saved by grace, but it's through faith. It's through saying, okay, I believe you. I believe there's a $20 bill in here with my name on it, and I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to be obedient to go receive that gift. You're not earning it, but it's in that obedience. It's in that when Skyla was obedient and she went in there is when she received that gift. She did not earn it, but she received it. That faith is a channel or the instrument through which we receive grace. By obedience, we trust God and obey what he says. And through that faithful obedience, we receive grace. Just one other one. In verse 11, by faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. And I believe the act of obedience was the considering him faithful. Like even that mental time of going through, okay, God's proven he's been faithful. She's doing something. She's acting. And it was through that that she received the power to conceive. She didn't earn it. She didn't do anything in her own strength to do it other than considered that God was faithful. God's been there. She did something. She obeyed in that peace, and she received the strength, the power to conceive. All right. We'll go back to the object lesson and we'll wrap it up. So again, we have God. We'll start it all over. We believe in God, but there's no, there's no light. We're discontent. We don't want to live in the dark. Just a general awareness that God exists is not enough. There's got to be a personal call, right? And here's where I want us to see that in no way, shape, or form does our works save us. Because here's the thing. You can work as long as you want and as hard as you want. But if God hasn't shown up and called you to salvation, if he hasn't made that personal call, you can flip the switch all day long and that light's never going on. But when God comes... And I believe he comes to each and every one of us to make that first, that call of salvation, that call to holiness, which sometimes that means shows us areas of our life that we need to repent and turn of. But when he comes and makes that personal call, again, this, this guy did nothing to deserve this. This call just showed up, just like Skyla did nothing this morning. She didn't know any of that was happening, but a personal call came and says, if you believe by faith that I've put a $20 bill in there with your name on it, But now, when we flip the switch, the light comes on. And that switch didn't do anything to pull the grace through, to pull the power through. It was already there just waiting, saying, just believe me, trust me, just obey me. And when that switch gets flipped, the power comes in. And I believe for each one of us, not only for that call of salvation, and and I'll say this morning, if you're here and if you feel And sometimes it is a feeling. Something's warm, burning inside of you. You feel like, okay, the Holy Spirit's here calling me to salvation. I say, flip the switch. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to earn it. You can't, but you can receive it. And with salvation, the way the obedience piece is you recognize I've sinned against God and you repent. See, salvation, there is action on our part. There's a repentance. There's recognizing, God, I've sinned against you. Forgive me for that. Now I'm turning and I'm going to follow you. And it's in that act of obedience, that obedient repentance, that we receive the grace of salvation. That we say, God, I believe that on the cross my sins were placed on your son Jesus and you crushed him. In my place, he was my substitute. And that act of repentance, I believe, is the channel through which we receive that grace. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. You heard the call. You flipped the switch. You turned and said, okay, And I also think that each one of us, many of us are believers here, that daily, that like moment by moment, we have to be flipping the switch. We should just be walking through our life moment by moment. God, I'm going to trust you. There's grace in this moment. There's grace in this moment. There's grace. So when he says you have to go forgive that person, God, I can't. You don't know how bad they hurt me. And if you wait for the ability in and of yourself to go forgive them, Not happening. But when you say, God, I'm gonna trust you and I'm gonna go to that person right now and I'm just gonna forgive them. It's in that moment, I believe, that you receive the grace to help, the strength to do that and also, irregardless of what that person's response is, you will experience a peace and a freedom in your heart because that active obedience was a channel, that faith in trusting God, your way is better than my way your foundation, even if it makes no sense because that person jacked me up over and over and over, but your word says forgive them. So I'm going to trust you and I'm going to go do that. And when we do, you receive grace, you receive the power. And we could apply that thousands of different ways. One other one. Now I will stop. Evangelizing, sharing the gospel. Well, God, as soon as you equip me to do that, as soon as you do whatever you need to do in me so then I'm ready to share the gospel, God, then I'll do it. And we sit there and we wait and we wait and we wait. Yes, prepare yourself. But what I found is when I'm obedient, when I trust God and just go and start talking to someone, that's when he equips me. That's when I receive the grace to share the gospel, to love someone, to help someone. Again, and that's not, that doesn't mean obviously every person you talk to with the gospel is born again. But if you wait to receive the help you need without obedience, I think that's why we so often live weak lives where we're just inching our way across the ice, hoping it doesn't break. And God's calling us here to Hebrews 11 and saying, look at this great cloud of witnesses. You can get up and run. You can get up and trust me. Just obey what I say in this word and watch how you receive the grace that you need moment by moment by moment. Let's pray. Do you guys want to sing? It's a loaded question. I heard one yes, so Aaron, if we could... Also, a reminder, come come Friday to worship because this is absolutely amazing news. Like, it's gospel, it's good news for a reason, and it should just cause us to praise him. Father, I do thank you for your goodness, your faithfulness. Thank you that you do come to each one of us and call. I pray we would recognize that call. We would hear it, we would hear your voice. We would flip the switch and receive the grace, Father, that we need moment by moment. Father, we desire these next couple minutes just to worship you, to praise you, because you are so good, Father. Let's pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise forever. I don't know if I mentioned it, but Friday night there's a worship (laughs) night. But we can add to that praising forever. Love to see you here. Father, thank you for each one here. I just pray you'd bless them. Give them a day of rest. Uh, Just continue to pour your love and goodness all over us, Father. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.